This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. Thank you so much for tuning in to a multi-platform broadcast of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, or as we like to call it, NPET, because this is Nuestra Palabra Extraterrestrial. <laughs> what that means is that you may have experienced Nuestra Palabra as a live event that we first were. We then became also a radio show on terrestrial radio or FM, but in this new era, we're multi-platform, so we're extraterrestrial. So you'll experience this first on social media. An edited version of the video will appear on fox26houston.com. The audio will be edited for airing on 90.1 FM KPFT Houston's community station. And I want to remind our dear listeners that KPFT is listener-run. If you enjoy this type of programming, which is unique to KPFT, our terms on our terms, please make a donation to KPFT by visiting kpft.org, clicking on the donation button or on the tip jar and making a donation in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. I'm Tony Diaz, a libro traficante, author of the book, The Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Cultural Capital. And today is a little different because I wanted to give the overview as I pass the mic to Professor Jose Aranda from Rice University, who will be conducting the interview of me. So I appreciate you taking the time to, to come to the show. And I now hand over the mic to you, Dr. Aranda. <laughs> thanks, Tony. And thanks, uh, Roxanne, our producer, and everybody else who's working on the show. And Tony, thank you for uh, allowing me to interview you on your, on your most recent publication, The Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Cultural Capital. And it, it just got published. It was just out. This past fall, uh, University of New Orleans Press. Uh, we're all very proud of, of of your publication, and we thank you for 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 just doing it, for being the writer that you are. And of course, the book is related to you know largely the work you've been doing since the mid '90s here in Houston. Mm -hmm. uh, you're a native of Chicago. There, there's a picture of the book, and. Uh, but you came here to Houston in the mid '90s to pursue a MFA, and uh, lucky for us, you just end up staying in Houston. <laughs> How about that? You know what? Honestly, when I was growing up in Chicago, um, I never thought I'd leave Chicago. Mm -hmm. So uh, I appreciate you mentioning all that. I appreciate you welcoming me. <laughs> I appreciate you being a, a, a dear friend, mentor, supporter. Uh, compadre, hermano, from early on, because there's parallel universes where this doesn't happen, or perhaps parallel universes where our voices are silent. So thank you so much. That means a lot. So let me let me just launch into about the book, which I, I'm just uh, always fascinated. I pick it up 
and read here and then pick it, pick it up again and read here. And, and, and it just draws me uh, to your thinking and to all the work you've been doing. But I, I like for the listeners to just sort of um, look at the very first couple of lines in your book and, and, and then I'll pose, I'll, pose, I'll pose a prompt and, and then I'll have you respond to it. And this is often what I do with my students. So forgive me if I'm in a kind of classroom mode, Tony. I hope I hope I get an A. I mean. <laughs> you already produced the A. So, so one of the things that's really uh, great about your writing is that you really put you put it lean into a lot into the very first sentence of your work. This was true in Aztec Love God, and it's true yeah. here as well. So in the preface, you write, "I stood on the pyramid of Teotihuacan." The tip of the pyramid is concrete proof of mi gente, brilliant art, history, and culture. And rereading it again, what brought brought to my, it brought to mind that for the very first sentence, you asked the reader to be transported to this place and time on the top of the, that pyramid, and 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 it made me really reflect. Um, since I've known you, um, how much movement, literal movement you've been making, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps it's in the city of Houston, Texas, but you've been moving all over the city. In this book, in many ways, and the concept of cultural accelerators is also about movement. And, and, and it's not a simple movement. There's a kind of past movement that you remind us about. There's a present tense to the movement of now, but there's also this huge impulse to move us forward. And you you and your book are linked to me to everything else you do, this show, the other show, uh, NP showcases, the past uh, uh, book festivals that you did and all that. And so I guess what, what, what I, want us to hear from you tonight is about um, retell the story of being at the tip of the pyramid in the sense of a journey, because it feels to me that there's a lot of journeys in this book. Mm-hmm. And you're asking us, oh, in that very first couple of sentences, to journey with you. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's something about, there's something interestingly migrant, I guess that's the word I was trying to look mm-hmm. at, migrant about the book about the concept of community cultural ca- uh, capital uh, and the kinds of ways that activism and writing for you is always moving. Hmm. Well, leave it to Dr. Arana to pierce through my soul right away. <laughs> um, it, it is uh, touching for me to hear you um, pierce those layers of, of just those two sentences that are the DNA of the work, because um, it's it, it. There are very much several um, migrations built into it. Um, so one migration for me was was coming to Texas mm-hmm. to pursue becoming a writer, and that took a lot for me to wrap my head around because. Um, previously migrations where my family's, you know, um, following the work. Right. 
Um, becoming a writer is not exactly work. It turns out it is, <laughs> you know? but, uh, but at the time it, it's not as directly linked to occupations. And of course I felt like I was, um, uh, going backwards in some ways because my folks had left Tejas where they had been pickers to be part of the industrial revolution. The, the, the waning industrial revolution. You're really forcing me to, 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 to look back at some of that history um, because my, my father went north to work in the railroad and then inland steel. Um, well, first inland steel, then the railroad, which then led to a different type of work, uh, possibility for me to go to school. But what's interesting too is that that was on the decline too, as I got older. Um, and the, the other thing that you forced me to take a piece to, to reckon with is I remember too, um, I didn't want to go to Mexico for a pilgrimage because in my own warped mind, so many people did that. I'm like, right. I, don't, I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. <laughs> and sure enough, that moment, it boggled my mind. I think the book took me so long to write, Jose, because I had to wrap around my head around that. Yeah. Um, and it was a very powerful moment for me where um, I, I really did feel the power of our gente. And I realized what's kept from us. And I always have this tension where I'm, I'm a mad young man and I, I, feel, I feel cheated. But the next turn, I feel powerful because I'm like, you know what? They tried to cheat me. They tried to cheat us, but they <laughs> cannot hide the truth. And we're, you know, we're too stubborn, too terco, too gifted, too, too much animo to, to, to stop. And, and for me, um, I'm... I do mean that 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 pyramid is is a metaphor for us before the, the the Spanish pirates came came here, and it's also a sign of how powerful we can be, and you just can't hide it. So, so so thanks for taking a look at it that way. Um, it it's wild to hear you extrapolate the DNA of those sentences. <laughs> Yeah, you got to be careful with us critics, you know. Exactly. <laughs> no, but, but I want to just re uh, sort of dig a, dig a little deeper to what you just said, because in some way you're reminding me, of course, that the the Aztecas, the 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 the, cult, the culture, the civilization that they they um, uh, created uh, in in some in many ways were uh, in, in league with other 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 communities, other other tribes in Mexico. They themselves came to this place after journeying from the north, right? And so they came from a, the mythical place that we like to call Aslan. And so in, in many ways, Tony, you are just part of a longer history of movement. You're, you're, telling, you're telling me your parents were from Texas. They moved to El Norte. You come from El Norte to Houston. Uh, and then, you know, of course, you've been doing all sorts of traveling, uh, you know, whether you're the Aztec 
views, whether you're a, a libro traficante, whether you're the cultural accelerator, these are all, you know, both uh, concepts that you have developed, a concept that you have uh, made use of, but there are also different parts of you and parts of you that have been in motion for, for mm -hmm. quite a while. And so and you are the, you know, just to go back to your first major publication, you are in many ways the Aztec love god, you know? You, you've mm -hmm. never really not been, mm -hmm. I would like to say you've never really not been at the tip of the pyramid. Wow. I wish we had rehearsed this. I don't even know. <laughs> because even as you say that, I am now seeing links I had not even imagined to the Aztec love God. It's, it's in some ways, it's a recapitulation of some of those ideas from that book. But now, whereas before I was kind of navigating, how do you tell your stories through comedy in a world that that puts narratives on you that you, you resist in my new book, you're right. Talking about, well, here are the many facets of myself and us. I like to say as a writer to navigate all these things. And, and to me, the key part is that our community has been doing that. Our community does it. Right. And maybe, maybe for me, what I'm trying to say directly because I've coded it perhaps is that we are powerful as writers and we're powerful. when We can determine our own fate. And I think, um, I think one thing that I, you're making me think about is when, you know, uh, when I coined the phrase libertaficante, there were some folks that were put off by it because of the last part of the word. <laughs> and I'm like, well, fo focus on the book part, <laughs> the book part. But to me, though, maybe isn't even as the Aztec love got a comedian or as the cultural accelerator, we're powerful when we achieve the self-determination to call ourselves what, what we choose to and then to fit into that. So I think uh, you've touched on something I, I had not thought about is that maybe those are bookends. The Aztec love got is a bookend to to the tip of the pyramid cultivating community culture capital in that. They're, they're similar mm -hmm. skills at work. And at the end, it is the power of imagination and, uh, and words and forms. So you're blowing my mind, Dr. Aranda. <laughs>
um, like the main character and Aztec Love God, he's also not just one thing, you know. And so it's uh, it's interesting how the how your trajectory, both as a writer, educator, mm. journalist, um, uh, and activist, uh, retains mm. the, the, this notion of multiplicity as as a, as a tool to navigate a very complex world. You know, what too, along those same lines, I think one thing I did want to do with the tip of the pyramid was to say directly to folks from our era that it is not a deficiency to to not fit on one business card. Because I, you know, I, um, I remember uh, as I'm clearing out offices, I look at some business cards and I'm like, I'm, I must be 15 business cards, <laughs> which to some would be a limitation or a disadvantage. But as we're talking, clearly it's a blessing that we can, well, how about this? I, um, I, I think one thing I do say, say directly in, in the, the tip of the pyramid is that I'm blessed where I can just traverse, like you say, it is motion to traverse uh, those barriers um, and have the time energy to do it on my terms, and we can do that on our terms. Not every generation has been able to do that, but every generation probably did it to survive. No, right, exactly. I think I think that's that's very true. Um, in some ways, you really are m- making, by virtue of who you are and, and what you do, you are making concrete uh, a survival technique that's been in place for a long time, which is to to have different kinds of literacies at one's fingertips, to understand the 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 notion of labor on behalf of others, service to others, as service to oneself. Mm. And that when you you know you know this better than I do, but when you talk to different members of the community, you never speak in one in one voice. You always have to learn to speak in different ways, inhabit different personas. And so you're really one of these people uh, that we're lucky to have who, by virtue of, uh, of your generosity uh, to public service and public good, that people find their way to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And I, that leads me to my next kind of prompt question. And it's really, again, very early on. I, um, and this is something I think of many I identify with, and I think a lot of people, especially if they're second or, or third generation uh, my uh, immigrant uh, children, um, recognize this too. And this is bu- this business of being a translator. Mm-hmm. Talk about this very early on. I had in Mark, and I just messed up my own bookmark here, but you talk early on about... Uh, that your first job as, as a kid was to translate for your parents. And I think, I think it, I understand why it comes up when it comes up, but I also understand it in, in terms of the thesis of your book, The Tip of the Pyramid, and the need to understand that our community moves forward uh, when we accept our own gifts and accept the fact that we, we, our biggest gifts are all the parts of our culture and to accelerate those cultural gifts into the public sphere. Uh, but that requires uh, translating 
uh, at times because it's never transparent how one can do that. And so I'd like to hear you think about out loud with us tonight again about your your constant role as a translator, whether it was for your family, for your for your peers, uh, for other community organizers. Mm -hmm. and, and I think one of the other aspects is that perhaps we as a community too don't look at the um, the, the drawbacks to it. There's responsibilities. We fully don't look at the power of it. And it really is not recognized as a as a skill by the world outside. And and, and here's what I here's what I mean. If you are bilingual and speak English and French, people are impressed. When I've when I tell people I'm bilingual in Spanish and English, they just think, well, yeah, you're you're supposed to. And and worse, as I say in the book, the people who are hardest on Latinos who don't speak Spanish are other Latinos, <laughs> you know. And I'm always quick to point out, hey, I speak Spanish, so you know. Um, but but I think the the beauty of it is that I really did feel viscerally, like early on, I felt the responsibility, but I also clearly, I clearly felt the power. And, you know, I talk about it in the book. I was promoted from being a kid. And again, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. <laughs> some barbaric teaching methods, which was shit out, sit down and shut your big mouth was, that was the, <laughs> all you kids sit down and shut up. <laughs> or you would get hit with a ruler. Right. You know? um, but then I would get promoted except you, Antonio, get over here. And I would translate for, you know, my parents, other parents, uh, other adults. And I, I, I'm like, wow, you know, um, I've, this is clearly something important that I can do. Um, I did have a facility for it. Um, I had a love of language that I attribute to my, uh, to my mom. But I also wind up extrapolating some truths about the adult world where quickly I learned that even the adult English speakers don't speak English that well. <laughs> yeah. So there are moments where I'm a kid and I'm like, I think I speak English better than this adult. And I think he's a, he only speaks English. You know? <laughs> and, and then there were other moments too, where regardless of if the adults spoke English and Spanish or both, I realized they didn't have a full grasp on the words they were using. And again, because it was my job and because I was sometimes dealing with my parents, I didn't think I was better than them at all. Um, it, it was more that I really had to grapple with these insights, um, not just because I'm, I was a humble, nice boy. My dad would have slapped me in the mouth if I thought I was better. My dad would have set me straight. You know, I love my dad dearly, but he would have set me straight quick. You know, you know, or if I, or si se cree, oh, si se cree, you know, I would be corrected in school the, right away. But I think that I want to talk about that directly in the book because even right now, you know, somewhere in Avario, our own gente are translating 
two or three levels of English into two or three levels of Spanish, and that is powerful. Um, you mentioned some of the literacies, um, you know, the literacies in the same English. Because of that facility, on any given day, I am blessed where I can talk to gente in el barrio, gente at the church, in a bingo hall, city hall, national news, English and Spanish, international news, and then turn around and go talk to sixth graders. And I think in that day and age, we should be proud of that because we have that skill taught to us as an early age. But more importantly, I should recognize I do have some privileges. Um, and, and one of them was that I had a facility for language. All, that type of not not easy to walk. But we've come to an era where that is appreciated more. And I hope that with, with my book, I can inspire more folks to embrace it and push it to the next level. Um, you know, and when I say languages, I don't just mean Spanish, English, and all the different versions. You know, Anzaldúa had how many Spanishes did she list? I don't remember. Like, you know, all those Spanishes. I also mean formats, genres. Um, you know, um, I have inner chapters alluding to that. Um, you know, I, I want the book to live beyond the page. Like, I think of this as part of the book. Um, I think of the radio show as part of the book. I think there's responses we'll get as adding to that and you know some of the essays that are inner chapters are very straightforward they were chapters from my blog websites the radio show so to me too those are other literacies as well Remind me about this other other work that you did, the Mexican American Studies Toolkit, as as well. And you you very much in in, uh, in the just listening to you, um, you have a toolkit mentality. Mm. It's like, what's the right tool I need now for this audience or for this medium? How is it that I can encourage people to think this way or to vote that way? Uh, how can I encourage young people? Uh, to uh, uh, unleash themselves. Mm -hmm. I, I think one of the things that that uh, you remind me of just right now about being a translator is that you uh, you unleashed yourself mm -hmm. to to use this skill uh, on behalf of your initially of your family, but you continue to do this, especially in your writing, your your tra your translating. So I'm going to move on to a moment in the book. Tell me if you where you are again a translator but now i feel like you're you're adding you're giving us a different version of tony diaz at libro traficante and that's the tony diaz who is the eyewitness el testigo mm -hmm. and that uh, i love that moment when you're talking about the the, the court case out of arizona so i'm going to read just a little bit mm -hmm. uh from the myth of the level playing field and then I'll get your reaction to it. I go back to that moment in the courtroom of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in San Francisco, January 12, 2015, for Maya Arce versus John Hippenthal oral argument. 
Our cultural lives were at stake. There was no time to explain. If these battles were lost, there would be no one to explain it. There would be no voice, no voices left to speak. It would be, it would be too devastating to keep writing. We would have to push our cultural accelerator even harder. And we were already at an amazing capacity. And mm -hmm. so when I read that, I was in there just like you brought me to the tip of the on top mm -hmm. of the pyramid. I was in the courtroom with you, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, in that in that moment. But I was now you're you're now you're our eyewitness. You're a testigo. You're giving you're giving us mm -hmm. a testimonial in that moment. And so I want you to think about how much of your of the tip of the pyramid is about being eyewitness and asking people to also be testigos in their mo in those in the, these important historical moments we're living in right now. No, wow. Uh, thank you for taking it for that route because I think that is fundamental to the book is that um, when I founded Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say in 1998, I didn't quite understand all the different layers trying to keep our gente silent. I think um, I chronicled the ban of ethnic studies in Arizona because to me that made so much clear. There are people at work that want to silence us. There are people at work that don't want you and I to have this conversation, the people not to, to hear it. And it also dawned on me that it was cyclical. Um, and of course, you know, you can go back and in, in mixed American history and, and, um, and chronicle different, different moments from direct attacks to burning of Spanish presses, uh, all the way back to, you know, uh, the Spanish pirates burning our, our books and libraries. But to me, it was, it was mind blowing to watch it before my eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would also add, and what you're touching on is that that was, uh, a moment that my community had been prepared for and prepared me for from from every moment we've ever experienced. You, you mentioned being a witness. Um, perhaps that's what we should do to defy these book banners that are still around. Mm -hmm. um, I should point out, I chronicled the Libre Traficante Caravan not as a handbook, because to me, that genre would imply that we had solved this assault on our gente. It's cyclical. Uh, likewise, the book bands are back. Um, right. So, so I wouldn't, I would never want to have a handbook on it. Uh, however, I did witness something. And to, to your point, it is powerful for us. Uh, at that moment, I was trained for that. Uh, but, but before that, I, like I say in the preface, I would love for everyone to just write down their story, their experiences, one page, um, to begin that work because we defy these book banners, we defy these book burners, we defy these people when they erase us by telling the story and witnesses what's occurring. Will it all be dramatic? No. Is it all important? Yes. And 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 we don't know how we're trained for that. Um, 
you know, I would say I was trained for translating in the carnicerias on the south side of Chicago. Okay. I was trained for the work that I do. Um, you know, my father, you know, uh, telling me that's my job. Yeah. You know? Go learn English. Come back and speak it correctly. And I'm like, I'm good at this. All right. <laughs> you know? um, and and a few other things I'd like to add to um, you've made me <laughs> look more deeply at the first lines of the book and you're making me look, look more deeply at those lines of the book um, because I am still wrapping my head around witnessing a moment when our cultura was prohibited. I'm not over that. I'm still mad about that. Um, I'm not bitter, but why? Because we won, but I will not let that slide. Um, so I do want to witness it and say, this is what happened. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that our community came together and overturned that. But I will say some of the ramifications of that is uh, you were kind enough to mention the Aztec love God earlier, which was my, my uh, novel. Um, I stopped writing fiction, Jose. Um, I had been, I had been write, working on a novel. Um, I had finished a draft right before that happened. But during the course of, us fighting the ban of Mexican American studies in Arizona by legislators in Arizona. Um, I stopped writing fiction because I was like, I can't make this up. This is like a science fiction novel, you know, but this is really happening. And again, to the testigo trope, I was witnessing it. And I said, I'm going to start using my skills to just be, bring the veracity of this across, the truth of it across through different mediums, radio, TV, writing, in person. Um, and I think for me then I'm like, I'm not, I still love fiction. I still love reading it. Um, you know, I will teach it, but I, I stopped writing it and I haven't been able to write it since I, I, I you know, even the book tip of the pyramid is nonfiction. Um, but on the flip side, you know, perhaps the other thing that happened to me is, um, I don't like saying writing is powerful because um, that sounds cliche now. And people don't believe you. We, modern day youth have been convinced that reading and writing don't matter. They have been conned to thinking reading and writing don't matter. Uh, on, on the flip side, I have seen how potent it can be to dive into that. Why? Well, I saw our community unite and overturn this racist law against us. And uh, I've been able to see how we as cultural accelerators can influence public policy. I don't have to ask anybody. I saw it with my own hands, with my own eyes. We did it with our own hands. And to me, that that is the powerful part of witness in that we, we chronicle it and the truth is there and it will keep coming back. No, so so true, Tony. And I just want to remind your listeners what you know very well. What happens next, right? Or what you what you do next, right? I, it, and I heard you speak about this, and it's in the book as well. In in terms of uh, being proactive, because you saw what was going on in Arizona, and you saw it through through the court case. But then somewhere 
you and others said, oh, we need to put, we need to put Mexican American studies in the curriculum here in the state of Texas. You need to put it in, you needed to put it in the books, <laughs> you know, to make sure that this is going to happen. And also, I, I would think that one of the political brilliance of that moment, too, was making it harder to take something or to ban things, to make it harder, right, as well. Because once something is in the books, the laws, you have to have more argument to remove it. So um, that, that, was, that was really interesting work that you did there, Tony. No, thank you for bringing it up too. And I do want to give a shout out to to all the other folks that have been involved. And I do want to go back to the metaphor of the tip of the pyramid. And I think that's vital because I do like to think of all this work as unearthing mm -hmm. different histories versus, you know, if it's the corporate media approach, they want to, um, like I say in the book, uh, lawyers contract language, poets liberate it, you know, corporate media contracts the language and they want to ascribe something a cause to one person etc um and i want to make clear that you know like i go out of my way to do in the book i'm not you know i'm not saying i did this or just a few of us did this i'm pointing out that we're unearthing these issues and what i love is that uh, and i should give a shout out to the other co-founders of libre Traficante caravan uh, brian paras lupe mendez laura acosta and liana lopez um who were all part of Nuestra Palabra, is that um, I think what, what's powerful is that we were the engines of the power of community. And because of all the things we've been talking about, we could put those, those tools into place. And what we were able to do then through media, um, if we look at Tipus of the Pyramid as actual uh, shapes, um, you know, probably Libra Taficante is right there as a media structure, as in writers and art, but we're pushing it. Like, like even here, we're educating folks right now. You know, I love that. And we have this forum to do it. Um, but we were pushing that and we came back to, to Houston from Arizona with some of those tactics, which we, you know, yes. which you witness. we witnessed people standing up right. to, to those hardcore right-wing oppressors. And we're like, we have to do that. And right. then we had... We had the witness where we can we could come back and I remember saying this often in court I'm saying we're not making this up we're not this is not conspiracy theory we're not saying we might be banned we're saying right wing legislators in Arizona banned us we're not tolerating that and 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 then we're able to re-energize re the movement here and again the tip of the pyramid would be to reveal different layers see that layer of all the work that had been going on before and build and build on it. What, what were our gifts? The literacy of social media, radio, TV. Um, and again, you know, I love writing books, but I'm, I'm, I'm also on TV, Spanish and English. Um, during the Libre Tafika, the caravan, you know, I did like, I don't know how many uh, interviews. We took those skills back to Texas. Um, and the other thing I'll add too is, it's not a traditional classroom, um, right? right? Um, but I will say this. Previous to the Libre Traficantes getting involved, you didn't hear about academics doing press conferences, right? <laughs> um, we, we, we started doing it and modeling it. And, and again, this is not like, oh, we're going to brand it. It's more like sharing that knowledge across the base and rejuvenating it. 
and it was really again we had the audacity <laughs> we had the audacity because we saw wow our gente had can unite we can move policy and it was powerful to move policy and get uh mexican american studies implemented statewide um and, and and i would add that that's a building as well of all those forces moving forward um and and it's wonderful to see on our watch the power of our gente Right. And in, institutionalizing, there was a moment, that's a moment of institutionalizing mm -hmm. the whole concept of community cultural accelerators. Mm -hmm. Because once you have, once you have that institutional support, legitimacy, it, it just invites others to unleash themselves. And I think that's one thing that's coming out of this interview for, for me, listening to you, Tony, is about the unleashing that happens, the, 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 the exposure mm -hmm. Uh, the learning that happens, uh, the learning that, that that you're talking about on the on the Libro de Picante caravan, mm. and the bringing back of what you eyewitness in order to um, accelerate further mm. you're, you're back in Texas. So that is going to lead me to my my more or less last question slash prompt for tonight, and it's and this is. Um, and the part of the book, the section is called El Camino Real. Mm -hmm. And that's a moment where you're talking about uh, coming to Houston, uh, bringing your parents uh, when you're here uh, for the MFA program of creative writing at the University of Houston. And this really poignant moment in that section, I found it very poignant because I, I, I identify that in my own education and in my own more professional life is that basically you're narrating this moment of uh, having learned from Eurocentric classic books and structures, structures like a MFA program, having, having learned things and then reaching a moment where you decide, I have to unlearn what I just learned <laughs> and then learn again how to do it all over again. I found that an amazing, uh, vulnerable revelation of what what it takes for someone mm -hmm. like you to both be open to what education is available, and then having enough sense, enough separation to say, "Hey, wait a minute, mm -hmm. what did I just learn?" Yes, uh, and I'm getting anxiety <laughs> remembering that, but. But I think I wanted to speak about that directly because we all face that moment, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I think um, part of the other message is for our gente. Um, and again, when I say gente, I do use the term broadly. I use the term broadly like community because uh, I want, I don't want to be the cultural border patrol. <laughs> I want many people to, to get in that word, besides folks that feel obviously inclined to, I'd like it to build, but folks from our community and our communities, we face that on an ongoing basis. And I think, for example, um, you know, if you're bilingual, if you're Mexican-American and you have a master's degree, there's a bidding war for you and corporations will come to you and... Again, um, you know, uh, lawyers contract language 
poets liberated. The corporation is going to contract what they want and fit yeah. you into a slot and, and reward you really, really nicely. Um, I don't, I don't want, I don't want people to think I don't want them to have a, a, a wonderful life and, and make a good living. No, that's clear that that's a goal. And, you know, everyone should go for that. And, you know, I, clearly uh, everyone should have a wonderful, fulfilled life, but the complication becomes, there's no guarantees to that. And maybe that's the constant relearning where, those same entities then will all of a sudden say, well, we brought you along, but our mixed American sales haven't tripled or doubled. And all of a sudden you said, well, I didn't know that was my expertise or, or they're like, well, we want you to translate all these books into Spanish now, all of our handbooks. And you're like, um, you know, th those are such, those are jargon that no one's translated. No one should. Uh, and, I also point out too that um, as a cultural accelerator, um, we we can progress, but it is wise and wonderful and powerful and helps us if we stay in touch with with the community. But that takes a relearning at every level of the pyramid. Um, and again, I, I really run back and forth where the pyramid is something concrete to just just an idea or metaphor. And, and I like the metaphor because as it becomes lonelier near the top of that pyramid, um, there has to be a jettisoning of, of different ideas. And I've had to do it throughout life. I think, yeah, I've caught on. I'm like, Oh, okay. This doesn't, <laughs> this doesn't end. But I, I will say this. Um, uh, I shouldn't make light of the fact Jose, that we're in this era where it's not just, a wonderfully human thing to accept others as they are in other cultures. It's become good business and it's going to be good business. So how wonderful that those forces come together now where um, I think at some point I would have been fulfilled artistically in my soul to be in tune with my community but I'm in an era now where Mano, I'm talking to one of the leading scholars in the country about my book or on a radio show. It's going to be on different mediums. Uh, you know, I will be on broadcast television, broadcast radio another day in print. Um, I can travel freely. Why? Because I'm an expert. And we're in a moment where we're finally being recognized as the experts, as the experts that we are. And the learning doesn't end. So, you know, um, I think when I interviewed you, Jose, you said you wanted to be back in the classroom. You like it. You're in the classroom and you love it. You know, this is it. Maybe this is the scholarly pursuit that we're, that we're destined for. And our hint that our scholars, our hint that our intellectuals, and it's about damn time that the rest of the world realize that. And it's about time that we could make wonderful livings and thrive like that. And here we are. Aquí estamos. Yes, we are. We are here, and uh, we're not going anywhere, but uh, but further out. And uh, so, I just want to. I know we're running out of time, but I want your uh, viewers, your listeners, to have a glimpse of what it means to be in the middle of a, a writer, thinker, educator like that. Everybody has to begin somewhere, and I. This is a this is a manuscript he sent to me. Wow. Years ago, this is the A draft of the Aspect Love God. And uh, wow. you trusted me with your manuscript back way back. 
And you asked me to read it, and I did. And I fell in love with the novel from, from this manuscript, and you, you made some revisions, but I just want to read out the very first line as a way to close out this interview with you. And the very first, it's still the first line in the, in the novel that got published, but this is the first line in your manuscript. I am a behind the scenes man. Mm. That was the very first line. And wow. I, you know, I, I, I want to close out the interview with that in the sense that you are, you continue to be a behind the scenes man, but now you're in front of the scenes as well, mm. or you're in the sides. You've developed a kind of 360 kind mm -hmm. of modus operandi that you are doing things to benefit other people, but you're literally the face of certain things. You're literally in the front of the camera or your, name's, your name is the byline of an, of, of an article you write or the, or the author of the tip of the pyramid. And so even though you still, in many ways, even in this interview, you, you shed light on all the toolkits that you have and how you work with them. You you are now the, the you are now moved well beyond the, the that very first line. Mm. Wow, that is a really touching way for you to bring it full circle, Jose. Wow, man, that's a that's my baby. Yeah, wow. Well, that is a really special uh, gift, Jose. Thank you so much for for taking the time for all that you do for your friendship and for. Lending your genius to an examination of my book, I am humbled and honored. Gracias. It was my pleasure, and um, I'm honored to be on the show. And um, I just uh, want to just uh, give a shout out to all your viewers and listeners and all the people who buy books and support writers and poets. Uh, keep doing it. Uh, all young writers eventually become older writers. So everybody has to start somewhere. And if it wasn't for the, all the writers in the world, I wouldn't have these books behind me. This is Tony Diaz. I want to thank Roxana Guzman, who is our producer for our social platform broadcast. Also, Rodrigo Bravo, who mixes our show and audio for KPFP 90.1 FM. Mark Adri Pignon is our graphics designer. Ramos Ortiz is in charge of our search engine optimization. And of course, you, dear listeners, are always supporting us. Thanks a lot, and we look forward to seeing you at the arts.